to be with you this morning. Uh, we prioritize the opportunity to not only uh, dig into God's Word and worship together, but to uh, to connect relationally with one another. So, uh, if you've been here before, you know what to do. If this is your first time, we're going to throw a, a question on the screen. you got five minutes uh, to uh, find someone maybe you haven't talked to in a bit, or see one of your friends, or just go grab a cup of coffee or a snack in the back, um, and answer this question with the people around you. you got five minutes, then we'll come back together and continue in our worship. Sound good? Cool, ready, go. All right. Let's, uh, let's come on back together. So wrapping up our conversations. Um, two things. Number one, uh, Pastor Austin said there might be, you know, like a couple people in uh, marriages or relationships. You might have just said the wrong thing to the answer to that question. So, uh, so it's free of charge. He said he's offering pastoral counseling on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays this week. So if you want to take him up on that, you can do that. Um, secondly, Austin, I do want you to know, I would totally choose to spend a whole year with you. Okay. I would a hundred percent choose to spend a whole year with you. No question about that. Uh, well, it's good to be together. Uh, thank you for, uh, for engaging in that time. Um, we are in the book of Philippians this summer as we're in a series called Joyful. And uh, so this morning we are going to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to do that now. Um, but as you're doing that, I, I do just want to say this. Um, this last week at sports camp was so incredible uh, in the ways that we saw the church be the church. Step up in ways that we uh, were maybe uncertain that we could do to be able to serve these families and these, these kids here. It was an incredible week. So again, thank you. Um, but particularly, uh, Miss Kim is downstairs teaching Kairos kids after the crazy week. But um, with uh, Nancy being out and allowing her to rest this summer, um, Kim Witherby took on so much last week. So would you please, when you see her after service or whatever, uh, would you just thank her for all that she did um, for, uh, for us and for our kids during sports camp last week? Um, and so if you do have your Bible this morning, uh, we, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're beginning at verse 4 and reading through verse 9. So hear these words. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning I want to focus uh, specifically on this little phrase uh, that comes up that is so pivotal in this passage. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And so throughout this morning when we're referencing anxiety or anxiousness, uh, it also alludes to worries or fears or even an uneasiness or a nervousness. And so we'll, we'll say a little bit more about that later. But in your mind, when you hear the word anxious, even different translations have worry or fear or nervousness. And so our question this morning is, how can we live this non-anxious life? Would you join me in prayer? 
God, thank you for the ways that you have gone before us today. God, that you surround us with your presence. And Lord, you just give us the eyes to see the ways in which you are at work. Lord, would you be present in this moment? Would you be present in this morning? May these be your words that are spoken, God. Would you permeate our hearts that we would not leave here unchanged? God, we give this morning to you. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. So when you hear the word anxiety or anxiousness or fear or uncertainty, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, rhetorical question, but um, for, for many of us, especially as uh, maybe younger generations, it's a total buzzword, right? We hear this word, this phrase of anxious anxiety all the time in our schools, in our shows, um, in the media that is portrayed. Anxiety is something that we talk about often. Right, and, and if you have students in your home or kids or uh, you've, you've been around even the schools, right, there's so much talk about anxiety and mental health and the ways in which it pervades, especially our younger generations at this season of life. Um, maybe for, for different generations, we, we weren't, weren't even really familiar or comfortable with that word anxiety and it, and it seems a little elusive, but, uh, but again, this word meaning fear or worries, or even insecurities, is something that all of us, on the daily, are dealing with. And when you think about the word anxious, or anxiety as defined, it's simply just experiencing worry, or uneasiness, or nervousness. Right? And so it is, it's a common experience for, for all of us, as, as families, uh, maybe even as a church, right? That, that we're nervous in the ways in which we can open up and be the light uh, to our neighbors or to our world or the ways in which we live out our faith in action. Anxiety is something that we are very accustomed to as a, as a, com- a community, as a culture. I love the translation in the, uh, in the ri- original Greek that was used for the word anxious, right? Worries or fears or even insecurities. There's just a depth to that word that is so much more than just this surface level uh, worry. It's this, this whole experience or expression of something deep within that maybe has a hold of you. And as, as a community, I think we continue to navigate what it means to be an anxious culture, anxious families, maybe even anxious individuals. And so if you're honest with yourself this morning, and just naming our reality before we get into our text, what worries or fears or insecurities do you carry today? What are those things that, that are your own that cause you to be anxious, that cause you to experience anxiety? For some, maybe your world feels up, upside down right now. And in the chaos and full of anxiety, you are gripped with fear. Maybe you're walking with a season even today, struggling with mental health and your anxiety feels gripping or even paralyzing. Maybe a friend or a family or someone that you are close to is impacted by this and you really want to be supportive and loving, but sometimes you feel helpless and hopeless and what to do next. And so this morning, I want to be clear that, that our goal is to not eliminate anxiety. If, that, if that's what we're working towards, uh, because the minute we fail or the minute that anxiety creeps in, we think that we have not succeeded. Rather, our goal as human beings, but more specifically as followers of Jesus, is to build in practices 
to build in a life around these anxious thoughts or these anxious feelings so that when they do come, that we have a framework that helps us navigate a life and ultimately to live this non-anxious presence. I think even a disclaimer this morning, uh, I told Lauren this, I'm, I'm kind of feeling anxious about talking about anxiety this morning, right? <laughs> or, or for some of us, I know that we've sat with people this week who are experiencing the realities of, of living with anxiety that, that sometimes we don't even know how to cope with or deal with. The amazing thing about the God that we serve and the amazing thing about being a follower of Jesus is that we have this framework not to eliminate or to pray away or to do away with this anxiety, but to be able to enter into it knowing that God is with us and God goes before us. And so how can we live this non-anxious life? The book of Philippians was written as a letter, right, from Paul to the church in Philippi while Paul was in prison. Did you catch that? And so Paul was in prison and said, do not be anxious about anything. And not only was he in prison at the time, but he was super uncertain about what the next day or weeks or months would unfold, uh, how they would unfold for him. If he'd be carried off and executed because of what he'd done. If he would be released the next day and get to go back to the churches that he'd been serving. Or if he'd be in jail for literally the rest of his life. He did not know what tomorrow held for him. And yet, he gives us these words, do not be anxious about anything. When I think we think about uh, anxiety, or at least when, I, when I've read this oftentimes, um, particularly in this verse and the way that Paul talks about it, um, I think sometimes we, we try to just to work to eliminate anxiety, right? Uh, to, to maybe just eliminate it out of our lives, or, or maybe we work to absorb it. I know that's often my default, is when, when something comes as a stressor or a fear, I just absorb it, try to internalize it, and, and it just begins to bubble up and bubble up, and then the people next to you know when it comes out, right? Or maybe we have uh, just a coping me- mechanism of just denying it, right? To, to just push it away and act like it's not there. Like those fears or that those anxious thoughts or those doubts that we have in our lives that we just put them away and we, we, we push them away acting like they're not there. Maybe for some of us our approach is oftentimes to just push through. Right? We just have to buckle down and get through it and just put our heads down to be able to, to drive through those anxious thoughts or those seasons of anxiety. And for many of us, we've found that those mechanisms are not only unhelpful, but begin to be super unhelpful in the long run and harmful. And so I wonder if you can relate this morning and the ways in which we as, as people, as communities, as families deal with anxiety or fears or insecurities in healthy and unhealthy ways. And the cool thing about uh, this passage that comes in Philippians is, uh, is Paul doesn't just leave us hanging and say, do not be anxious, and then uh, leaves us be, right? He, he really like gives us this little roadmap or this framework or these tools that help us as a community as families, as individuals, navigate anxiety. 
And so I want to walk through the passage uh, together, and then I have a, a one little illustration, and then uh, and then we'll be done this morning. And so uh, the very first beginning uh, beginning phrase in this passage, uh, Philippians chapter four, verse four, it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again, rejoice. Now, Bible scholars in the room, right? Um, if anyone, Paul, Jesus, if anybody's saying things twice, uh, is it important? Unimportant? Very important? Right? It's, it's emphasized, right? That's like a literary technique that it's repeated as an emphasis of saying you better listen to what this is. And, and, and so Paul starts with uh, repetition of, of rejoice, right? Saying rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again Rejoice. Right? Upholding this posture, upholding uh, this mindset of filling yourself with joy, living out joy before you even begin. That's a hard thing to do for me, constantly. Any, anybody else? Anybody else have a hard time? So uh, there's this, this time where we're, uh, we're about to pray with students, right? And, uh, and so often, like as leaders, uh, particularly myself, I often jump to like, okay, how can we pray for one another? Like, what are the things that are going on in your life? What are you nervous about? What are you anxious about? Like, how can we solve all these problems, right? And just, we had this student one time, she just raised her hand. She's like, you know what? I've been trying to do this practice. Before I do any praying, anything, I just like to say three things that I'm grateful for in my life at that moment. Three things that I'm, I'm thankful that God is in my life. That's rejoicing, right? And, and, and that's something that, like, even our students, like, they're teaching us. Like, they're showing us how to not live this anxious life of thinking that we have to solve all these problems. And, and yet, just starting in this posture of gratitude, of rejoicing, of just naming the things that God has done and continues to do in our lives that fills us and begins us with a posture of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The passage continues. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Uh, Another way to think about this or another translation in in this part is, uh, let your forgiveness be so clear to the people around you. Let your posture of forgiveness be so clear to the people around you. Have this readiness to forgive to release grudges, to release the things that are going on in your life. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Allow yourself to be one who is known to forgive. Earlier last week, um, uh, I was helping with uh, soccer. I was coaching soccer, right, at our, at our sports camp. And the thing about, like, kids and coaching soccer is... Uh, there's, like, no hiding of emotion, right? Like, as adults, even as, like, students, we kind of, like, dance around, like, oh, this person hurt me, right? Or, like, oh, I, I wish I could say that to that person. Like, no. If you're a kid, you're going to say, you hurt me because you kicked a soccer ball at my head, and I am mad at you, right? Like, it is clear. It is clear, right? Instead of oftentimes, I think we, like, retreat into our heart and, like, oh, I'm not going to talk to that person because they hurt me, and I don't want to actually tell them how I, how I feel, right? We, like, play all these games, can learn a lot from kids at soccer camp, right? But but the thing about that, I, I I was amazed. I was amazed in the circumstance, right? Because someone literally got kicked in the head, right? And someone was actually like pretty upset and went off crying. But then came back, literally 90 seconds later, right after taking the time off and stepping off uh, off the field, 
coming up to this person. And, and you know, we facilitated as a coach, like, okay, what do you need to say? Like, I'm sorry, right? But the student, it's like, I, I forgive you. Big hug, we're back to playing soccer, right? Like, isn't that amazing? Like, couldn't we just, like, live that out in everything that we do as a church? And yet, I think oftentimes as, as families, as a church community, as a world that we're so afraid or fearful of actually stepping into forgiveness because of our own insecurities. And yet Paul says, to deal with the anxiety that's going on in our lives. What, like, what if you were known to just be someone who is so quick to forgive? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Paul continues in this passage. Uh, he says, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. Um, my wife Lauren is an MFT. She's a counselor, um, right? So she's done a whole lot of um, uh, professional training and, uh, and, and work around dealing with and walking with students specifically around um, anxiety and mental health, right? And particularly as Christians, like there's kind of this messy relationship between specifically like anxiety and prayer, Right? Like, there's this messy relationship between anxiety and prayer because, uh, so often I think that we, we just think, even subconsciously, but maybe we actively think this, is if I can just pray hard enough, like if, if I'm just close enough to God and my relationship is just close enough to God, that my anxiety, that my fears, that those things that pervade my mind and my life will just leave me. And, and if, I'm, if I'm still living in those things, that, that maybe I'm just not righteous or holy enough. I'll tell you today, like, that's a lie, right? That's a straight-up lie. There's no way that the amount of anxiety that we have in our lives is equated to how righteous or holy we are. And of course there's a correlation between the ways in which we go to God or go to other things and the ways that we deal with it, but the fact that you're dealing with these things or your family is walking through these things or you carry these fears doesn't quantify you as more holy or less holy because you're going through those things. If only we we're able to grasp in the ways in which there's mystery and how God calls us continually in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our requests to him. Um, when I was a freshman in, in college, it was the very first week of um, freshman year, and uh, we just got done, it was a Sunday, we just got done with like the first week of, of practice, right? Um, and so I was doing my laundry, and I have this vivid memory, I was doing my laundry, and all of a sudden, like, I was just overcome by this this feeling of uh, of being lost. Like, I, uh, in that moment, was having a panic attack and completely lost memory and rec- uh, recollection of where I was, who I was with, and why I was there. And so I had, I had this moment where um, I went back to my dorm room, and I called my dad right away. I was like, Dad, I don't know what's going on. you got to help me. Like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. And as a parent, like, that's not the call you want to receive, like, <laughs> the first week of freshman year. It's okay. Parents that are sending your kids off, it's not going to be that way, Okay. But he's like, all right, like, calm down. Like, we're going to be okay. I want you to go, just to ground yourself, I want you to go outside, open the door, go outside, and check the room number that you're in. 
right? And so I go out, I crack the room number, uh, the door, I look at the room number, and then right when, uh, right when I open that door, one of my best friends, had no idea who he was at the time, uh, walked by and just saw this, like, look of sheer terror in my eyes, right? And so long story short, um, this person walked with me, uh, we went outside, we, we walked and we talked for probably 90 minutes of just, like, decompressing, like, allowing me to just be present in my life at that time. Um, but, but the thing is, like, in that moment, like, I could not pray myself. Like, I didn't have the words to pray myself. And yet, my friend, he did. He knew how to pray for me in that moment. He knew the requests and petitions that I had for God, but, but I wasn't able to do that in that moment that my friend was able to be for me. And church, I, I think this is the framework that, that Paul has given us. It's to say sometimes you're in a season of life. You're dealing with anxiety that, that, and fears that, that you just don't even know the words to pray. And so often our tendency is to, to isolate ourselves and to withdraw and to get away. But I'll tell you, hope comes and joy comes when you surround yourself with people that can be those people to give the prayers and the petitions to God on your behalf, right? Being a community that upholds one another in prayer. When, when we know the things that we should be praying, but we just don't have the words to pray, are we surrounding ourselves with people that can uphold us in prayer? Sometimes we can't just pray ourselves. And so Paul continues in this passage, in this framework of uh, saying, think about such things. Think about these things. And then he has a whole list of, of the things in which we should think about if you, if you look at the text in uh, Philippians chapter 4, right? Uh, and, and, so, and so often, and oftentimes I think that we, we've um, kind of quantified where uh, we're either living a non-anxious life or a super anxious life, right? Like it's uh, one or the other, like it's very easy to, to see, often uh, like kind of in this continuum, right? We're either like an anxious person, and we're just continually anxious, and that's who we are. It's almost like defining our identity. Or we're a peaceful person, right? Like, like the prophet, I don't know, um, Bob Marley said, don't worry, be happy, right? Right? Like, and there's this kind of this continuum, right? Uh, Bob Marley's not a prophet, at least in the biblical context. You know what I'm saying, all right? Right? But we think we either have to live in one or the other, right? One continuum, continuum on side of the continuum or the other. We're, we're either a peaceful person or we're an anxious person. And, and Paul says continually that, that that, that is not the way in which God intends for us because we're not to just hope that we can eliminate our anxiety through the ways in which we go about life, that, that we're going to have to deal with those things. And it's more so of how we respond to them in the moment and the, the tools and the people that we surround ourselves with in the moment rather than thinking we have to just eliminate it for good and fully. And, and so lastly, uh, it's not just this head knowledge that, that Paul is giving us, right? He's saying, put these things into practice. Right, the things that you have heard from a teacher, from uh, from the rabbi, right? Uh, th- th- this is a common practice that the rabbi would say: don't just let it live here, but let it affect the way that you live your lives with your hands and your feet, the way that you carry yourself. 
allowing these things that we know to shape the ways in which we live. So again, our question this morning, how can we live this non-anxious life? So earlier this summer, uh, I got a, a box of fun right here, okay? Um, so earlier this summer, our high school students, we went on a, on a road trip. It was a disciple trip trip where we drove to Colorado and back, right? Um, and I don't know, does anybody else just like love road trips? I love road trips. Anybody like, I will pay you however much you want. Just fly me there. Like, I'm not about to drive. Anybody? Okay, th- thanks, Cody. Thanks for driving 18 hours with me, dude. That was cool. Um, so, uh, so... We, we took like a little poll before we went as, uh, as leaders. We we're like, okay, we want to get our students, um, uh, their favorite road trip snacks, right? Cause snacks, road trip snacks, like that is the make or break of a good road trip. Anybody, anybody there? Right? And so, um, so initially, right? So we had, uh, we have our, um, different road trip snacks, right? Of, of the tools that, uh, that we talked about today, right? We have our Jolly Ranchers of Rejoicing, right? Cause gummies, gummies are good, right? That, that's like one of the tools or one of the things that we needed on this road trip in order to, uh, uh, to be able to, to get through it, right? Um, we also had, um, let's see, dill pickle spits, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Brayden, I got you, okay? Right? So these, like for some people, right? Like you have to have your one snack to get through that road trip, right? Um, we also have, uh, let's see, Dots pretzels. Anybody a fan? Anybody a fan of these? I don't know. These are, yeah, okay, okay. Um, right? We have the, set your mind, right? The ways in which we talked about, um, setting your mind on these things, right? That's just another tool that we need on, uh, on our road trip. And then ultimately, popcorn of prayer, right? Right? We got our popcorners. Has anybody not had these? Okay, these are amazing. If you haven't had these, like, honestly come up and, and see me afterwards. I want to give you these because they're really good. And then lastly, we got our Pringles of practice, right? Right? Um, all these different things, all these snacks that we need on our road trip, right? These are, they're, they're not going to like make the trip. They're, these pretzels aren't going to drive the car for you, right? But they're going to like make your trip 10 times better if you have this with you, right? But, but here's my point. Here's my point. Earlier, uh, actually last summer, we were in this series uh, called Bumper Sticker Faith. Anybody remember this series, Bumper Sticker Faith? And we were talking about all these different bumper stickers that show up, right? And, and there was this one where, where we talked about Jesus being my co-pilot. Anybody remember this one? And, and we were rearranging the ways in which we thought about Jesus isn't just your sidekick, right? He's not just someone that like maybe shows up on the road trip, maybe not like Jesus needs to be the one that's driving your vehicle and you are actually the one that's the co-pilot in the passenger seat, right? And really, all these tools that Paul gives us in this passage of, uh, of desiring to be near God, to rejoice, to set our minds on the things that he would, uh, that God would have us do, to pray, like those honestly are side cart things. To this one key phrase in this in this passage, it says, "The Lord is near." The Lord is near. If we're not drawing near to God, we won't experience His peace. If we're not drawing near to the presence of God, we will never be able to experience that joy. I'm going to close with this. Um, there's a story in Second Chronicles uh, about a king who had uh, been going off and, and, and leading Israel in, in wayward uh, leadership, just going off and doing his own thing. Uh, and, and so uh, a prophet comes and says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded. 
he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, you will be found. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Church, this is the make or break of the, the instruction that we're given by Paul. Right? Like all these things are good and, and all these things are, are good practices. But if, if we're not drawing near to God, like we'll continually be pushed away from living this non-anxious life. And truly, it's that simple. If we're building into practices of, of prayer and, and, and simple um, scripture reading and, and devotion in, in our time and our lives that, that are bringing us into the presence of God, it's not going to eliminate our fears. It's not going to completely uh, leave our anxiety obsolete, but it's definitely going to remind us that the presence of God goes with us and before us in those times. I love the phrase at the end. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, if there's, if there's a verse to, to memorize, to let that permeate your mind, it's that one. That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, there's so much mystery in it, and yet, when we draw near to God, He will draw near to us, and He will be in the midst of our anxieties, of our fears, of our insecurities. When we place God as followers of Jesus in the driver's seat of our car with these different tools that we have to deal with our fears, we will live this non-anxious life. Would you pray with me? In just a moment, we are going to, uh, to respond with a song um, it's called Firm Foundation, and it has these really simple lyrics. It says, I've got joy and chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. God, may that be our prayer this morning. God, that we would draw near to you to sit in your presence, to continually revert back to being in your presence, and that you would fill us with a sense of joy that comes from a peace that makes no sense to us, to the world, and yet we know that we are confident in because of you. God, would you continue to go with us, go before us, specifically the students, the families that are dealing with anxieties, dealing with mental health in this season, God. Would you be our rock? Would you be our foundation? Would you be the one that we return to continually? We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said.